welcome to Pastorally Correct with Pastor Chris McLaughlin of the First Baptist Church of Lyonsville, Pennsylvania. This podcast seeks to explain major events, headlines, trends, and all topics ministry-related from one pastor's perspective. Welcome to Pastorally Correct. This is our very first podcast, although previously we had a roundtable discussion video that we would upload once a week, and it contained a lot of worldview analysis. We would look at trends and headlines and just try to evaluate them from a biblical worldview. From time to time, we would also dive into ministry-related topics. I'm excited about this podcast because I have the opportunity to share from a pastor's perspective how... I view ministry, philosophy of ministry, how I view the application of God's word, what we should be striving to do as a body of Christ. And so as I have the opportunity to share that and from time to time to jump into contemporary headlines and to do some of that worldview analysis, I just wanted to take a minute to introduce this podcast and share with you what it represents. The first question you might have is why the name, Pastorally Correct? Are we suggesting that because a perspective originates from a pastor that it's correct or that all pastors have the same perspective? The answer to that, of course, is no. Instead, this is just me sharing my perspective on the world. One of our deacons had shared uh, with me this this title and had said, you know, this would be a really neat title to use for the podcast. And this is the rationale that he shared. He said, since you've always wanted to be a pastor, it seems like it would be natural for you to mainly approach topics, articles, and events on how you want your congregation to see them. I want to do that from a perspective that does not infringe on anybody's individual soul liberty. We are uniquely accountable to God. But I do believe that God has revealed his truth to us, and it is our responsibility to apply what he has revealed to be true. In opposition to the cultural values that we find so prevalent in our society today, wherein we discover or we create truth, we understand that God has revealed truth. And so we take his word and we strive to apply that in all areas of life. I'm excited to do that in uh, today in the discussion on what does it mean to be a healthy church and how do we evaluate whether or not a church is in fact healthy. And so as we move forward today in, in our conversation, I, I do want to uh, just discuss why spiritual health matters, why spiritual matter, spiritual health is something that we should be discussing and thinking about as God's children. And I want to share with you from Ephesians chapter 4, and this is from the NET translation. It says, I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you two were called to the same hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives, he gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of he ascended, except that he also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth? He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. 
And he himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ. Which, when we talk about spiritual health, we're talking about being built up in Christ, uh, increasingly reflecting uh, the person of Jesus Christ to build up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. There are a few a few aspects of this passage that really indicate for us, one, what spiritual health even begins to look like as we seek to define it, but also the means through which a church grows in, in its spiritual health. Well, to be spiritually healthy, as we find, everything falls under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The body is not just simply striving to do whatever the culture defines to be loving and kind, but instead asking, how can we honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost? How can we increasingly be obedient to his word? How can we discover our spiritual gifts and apply them in a way that encourages the body? It spurs spiritual growth, it spurs uh, evangelistic zeal, and it results in the body building itself up in love so that each person is increasingly mature in the faith. We are increasingly becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That is the definition of spiritual health, that we are growing to be more like Jesus Christ, that we are a disciple of his and we strive to make more disciples who worship Jesus Christ. That is the goal of every believer. It ought to be. And so as a church uh, embraces that sort of purpose and uh, walks uh, in submission to the head, that is Jesus Christ, the body will head along that path. And so it matters today, especially if we just back up for a moment. Why does that matter? Well, it matters today because in Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul there is describing believers uh, who could be tossed back and forth by all sorts of competing ideologies. In our world today, anybody and everybody can have a voice. Somebody like me can just set up a podcast and share whatever perspective they would like to share, and they may find an audience. Today, there are so many competing ideologies, so many different ways to see the world, and that's very exciting. It's great that we live in a time period where we have so much uh, access to information. But there's there are obvious dangers there as well. And so today, believers are bombarded with competing ideologies. And the question is, how do we know what is true? How do we stand firm? If our churches are producing healthy Christians who submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, who embrace their calling in life and seek to build up the body in love, who want to increasingly be disciples of Jesus, who make more disciples who worship Jesus, then our church families are going to be stronger. We are going to be mature. Christ is ultimately going to be glorified and the lost are going to be reached. That's why spiritual health matters so much. Well, how do we assess 
How do we assess the spiritual health of a church? I want to share with you some pitfalls to avoid, some things to avoid when it comes to defining the spiritual health of a church. So often when I ask somebody, well, how healthy do you think this church is? Or if I'm talking to a believer who attends another church and I ask them, well, what's your church like? And I might ask about the spiritual well-being of it. Because, of course, when you ask somebody, what's your church like? The first thing they jump into is discussions on, you know, the attendance or the music and things like that. And I, and I think that sometimes these hinder us <clears throat> from properly understanding or assessing the spiritual health of a church. So a few things to avoid. The first is subjective experiences. So we walk into a church, it's our first time visiting, and nobody shakes our hands when we first walk in. And so our thought might initially be, this is a spiritually unhealthy church. And that might be true. That is not a symptom that we want to see in a church, uh, certainly not in ours. But uh, that does not mean that just because we had this one experience where somebody didn't shake our hand, or maybe a church member was rude to us, we might not know the perspective uh, or the context of that exchange. Sometimes somebody is short with us because there's something significant going on in their life. And so somebody says something kind of off the cuff to us and, and it comes across as rude and we just perceive that the entire church must be rude because they appointed somebody like that into leadership but we don't give them the benefit of the doubt or grace and we don't follow up with them and ask uh, what's going on or we don't strive to get to know them in a, in a deeper way. And so subjective experiences uh, sometimes can hinder us from really assessing the spiritual health of a church. So can sample size. So we're visiting a church or maybe we've been a member of a church for some time, a regular attender, and we don't like one sermon that is preached or one song that is sung. I don't like it. It's too repetitive. Or I don't think it reflects our theological tradition in the best way. Or again, we saw somebody in leadership that we didn't like or somebody previously, uh, we knew them in life and now they're in leadership. We haven't talked to them in some time, but we sort of have this assumption of what they must still be like. And so we have this limited sample size where we try to assess the spiritual health of a church by one song or one sermon or one Sunday morning worship service or something along those lines. Those are things that can hinder us from, again, properly assessing the spiritual health of a church. And the last uh, sort of pitfall that I'm going to describe would be secondary matters. And so we talk about the spiritual health of a church. There are so many different ways for us to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there are certainly ways that uh, we'll talk about uh, very soon that should be true of all churches. But there are secondary matters such as the attire of those attending the church. I've heard believers say when visiting a church that, well, that church isn't really serious about Jesus because the people in the church don't dress a certain way. Well, Believers around the world don't dress uh, in a suit and tie or a skirt or whatever it might be uh, every Sunday. Uh, and so uh, the, this would be a secondary concern. We don't have to all dress like the Apostle Paul, for instance, uh, every Sunday when we go up to worship in order for our services to be God-honoring. Sometimes we sort of believe the myth that the style of the music is what defines the spiritual well-being of the church or the translation from which the pastor preaches or something along those lines. Now, of course, music is very impactful. Uh, 
I believe that translations matter. I believe that uh, we should strive to do everything that honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have to be very careful not to allow preferences to hinder us from properly accessing or assessing the spiritual well-being of a church. So with that, when we look at the spiritual well-being of a church and we talk about some pitfalls to avoid, then you might think that I'm going to share with you sort of an algorithm. So avoid these pitfalls, but just check off a few of these boxes. And as long as a few of these boxes are checked in a particular way, then that means that a church is spiritually healthy. Well, I would share with you that I do not believe there is any one specific algorithm that we could measure the spiritual health of a church by. That would be really easy. If there were just simply data points, we could enter into some sort of a form and it would say, yes, your church is healthy, or no, you have a lot of work to do, whatever it would be. But there's no such algorithm. And I think that that's a good thing. Because when it comes to assessing the spiritual health of a church, I believe that there are certain benchmarks. There should be some standards that should be true of all churches at all places at all times. But from there, I think that there are differing perspectives from which members of a church and even those in church leadership might assess the spiritual well-being of a church. And I think that plurality of views is a very good thing. I'm going to share with you why that is in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about those benchmarks. What are some things that have to be true of every spiritually healthy church? Again, these have to be things that could be true of our brothers and sisters worshiping in China, uh, of our brothers and sisters worshiping in Brazil, as well as the United States, uh, and across generations. So what what sort of uh, values uh, and, and practices should we find in a church that we could describe as being spiritually healthy? Well, the first, and to be quite frank, everything could just fall under this umbrella. I could just leave this one and walk away. Uh, but I'm going to add some more to it. And the first is that uh, the church submits to the authority of the full counsel of God's word. So the church is not trying to assess its purpose, its missional values through culture, through whatever's trending on Twitter. They're asking, what does God's word say? How can we submit to the authority of the full counsel of God's word? The second, and again, as I said, everything else I'm going to share here comes uh, under, falls underneath this umbrella. The church worships Jesus. The goal is to worship Jesus. I know that sounds like it's so basic that it doesn't even need to be said, but it does. Do we strive to worship Jesus or are we trying to promote ourselves? Is the goal to build an organization? Is the goal to promote a brand or is the goal to worship Jesus? Every healthy church answers that question the same way. Third, we desire, spiritually healthy churches desire to make disciples who worship Jesus. And they don't simply desire to do that. They have an active plan to do that. Healthy churches have a plan to make disciples. Now, I don't think that that plan has to be one size fits all. There are some churches that are more formal than others. There are churches that love step-by-step processes, others that are a little bit more informal, and that's okay. 
Jesus in his mentorship role with his disciples as he walked with them and he lived life with them and he invested in them. Uh, we find the Apostle Paul's approach uh, to making disciples throughout Scripture as well. Uh, I think that there are many different ways uh, to make disciples who worship Jesus Christ, who also in turn desire to make more disciples of Jesus. Uh, but that should be a core value and there ought to be a plan that corresponds with it. Fourth, uh, is united in doctrine and in love. In Philippians, for instance, this is a chief concern that the Apostle Paul has for the body, that they would be united, that they would share a common purpose. A, a spiritually healthy church will have evangelistic zeal. How can you say you know the right things about Jesus, but then not have evangelistic zeal? It would be like saying, Lord, thank you for saving me because I was separated from you. And if I died, I'd spend eternity in hell. And I'm so glad you saved me and I want to worship you, but I don't want to share that good news with anybody else. That would be unbecoming, obviously, of a spiritually healthy church. Next, a healthy, spiritually healthy church encourages, models, and equips individuals to practice spiritual disciplines. How do we read God's word? How do we worship Jesus? How do we pray? How do we give generously to those in need? How do we show love to our neighbors? How do we fast? How do we meditate upon God's word? Those are the sort of things that churches, spiritually healthy churches, encourage. They also encourage, model, and equip believers to use their spiritual gifts. Uh, in the passage I opened up with from Ephesians chapter 4, Paul anticipated that there would be uh, office gifts, that there would be pastors, there'd be teachers, that there would be individual gifts. We find described several places in Scripture, uh, that there would, uh, there would be spiritual gifts that every member of the body would use uh, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit unto the glory of Jesus Christ so that the body would be built up, matured, so that the lost would be reached. And we find uh, a significant passage that corresponds with this in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. And uh, the final one that I, I would share is that spiritually healthy churches practice good stewardship. And I don't simply mean of money, but also of their spiritual gifts and personnel resources, in addition to financial resources that are entrusted, uh, that we would practice good stewardship. Uh, and so uh, we find Jesus in his earthly ministries talk so frequently about money and about uh being a generous giver, we find the Apostle Paul described that. And, and uh, so God loves a cheerful giver. What does that look like within a spiritually healthy church? So those are the sort of values and practices that we find in there. But as I said a few minutes ago, I don't know that there is, I don't believe that there is any algorithm by which we can just enter points of data into some sort of form and it kicks out a result that says your church is spiritually healthy or it's not spiritually healthy. And again, I think that that is okay because in each local church, there are various spiritual leaders. Those spiritual leaders uh, have, of course, they should be united in doctrine and in love. But if they're united in doctrine and in love, they share those core values, those beliefs, they are, in fact, followers of Jesus Christ. When that is the case, you're going to find that believers have different passions and even look at the world through uh, different lenses. 
Sometimes you encounter somebody who's in spiritual leadership of, of a church and they're a tremendous prayer warrior. And so when they evaluate the spiritual well-being of a church, they're asking, what do our corporate prayer meetings look like? Do we have people who are faithful to respond in prayer? When I ask for prayer from somebody, do they follow up with me? Do they just say, yes, I'm going to pray with you or I'll, I'll pray for you. And then they leave and they forget it. They never check back up. Others in leadership in a church might be really passionate about sound doctrine. They want to dive deep. They want to understand the full counsel of God's word. And so they're going to ask questions like, what sort of curriculum is being uh, taught in this, is being utilized by this church? What does the Sunday morning preaching and other preaching done throughout the week, what, what does it convey? Is it the pastor just rambling and sharing his perspective? Is it the pastor sharing from God's word? Is he trying to preach the word and get out of the way? What, what is the approach of the pastor? And, and is he teaching that which is uh, theologically true? In addition to that, uh, they would ask about, again, our life groups and our Sunday school classes and our children's ministries. Are they teaching that which corresponds with God's revealed truth? There might be others who have a real e evangelistic zeal. And so as they evaluate the spiritual well-being of a church, they're going to ask, are we seeing people baptized? Are we seeing people come in saving faith to Jesus Christ in our Sunday morning worship services? Are we investing as we talk about good stewardship? Are we supporting worldwide missions? Are we supporting missions at home? If we have a need in our church family or in our community to meet specific needs or to go do outreach and evangelism, do we find that people are eager to do that? What I love is sitting down and talking, and there's so many different other ways that uh, believers may assess spiritual health, but I believe that God has given us various giftings and passions, and I get so excited to sit down with members of Christ's body and to find exactly the sort of uh, way that they evaluate the church and the passion they have about spiritual health and about those specific areas that God has burdened their hearts with. And so as our church leadership meets, as all members of the church begin to evaluate the spiritual well-being of the church, again, through whatever areas we might uh, evaluate, whatever, whatever benchmarks we might have, so long as those core foundations are there and in practice, then when our members of our church, especially our leadership, sits down and begins to ask, where do we need to go as a church? What has God given this church as, as a strength? What is he building upon? What foundation has already been laid? And we have a strong foundation uh, of faithful members throughout the years. Uh, what does that look like as a church family? Well, then we're able to share these various perspectives and people are able to share their hearts and we can have a picture, uh, a snapshot of whether this, the church is spiritually healthy or not. And we can see areas to grow areas to strive to see God's empowerment, his blessings, uh, his giftings explored and strengthened. Uh, we also see areas where we can return thanks to God and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place. Well, as I share this with you, my goal is, is not that you would look at any church from a critical perspective, uh, but that as God's people, we would apply what we've been discussing today. What is it that I want you to do with this information that I've shared today? This sort of way of looking at spiritual health, the, 
the fact that there are some benchmarks, there are some common values and beliefs that are shared by spiritually healthy churches, but it is important to have uh, different voices share the areas that they are evaluating uh, the spiritual health of a church. What do I want you to do with that information? Well, I really, first and foremost, want you to ask yourself, how can I increasingly embody Ephesians 4? How can I help the body build itself up in love? Am I passionate about that? Am I a contributing member of the body? And if you're not, and, and I don't say this to shame you, if you are not, what an opportunity to discover your spiritual gifts. And if you need help doing that, please do reach out to me. But to discover your spiritual gifts and then to begin to apply them, to grow in them, to find a mature uh, brother or sister in Christ who can come alongside and help you to grow in your exercising of that spiritual gift. They can model that in front of you. They can encourage you. They can share God's word with you and help you to grow in your exercising of that gift. You can also evaluate how spiritual you are. Where are you in your spiritual maturity? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you increasingly becoming more like him? Are you striving to make disciples who worship Jesus Christ? Is that a value that you have in your life? Not just in word, but do you commit time and energy to it? Do you have a plan to be a disciple maker, to be a mentor to a younger or immature, a more immature believer than yourself? As God's children, uh, there are many ways for us to evaluate our own spiritual health. And, and sometimes day to day or week to week, it's hard to know, am I growing spiritually? So oftentimes I encourage believers to consider the gifts of the Spirit, to take time and evaluate the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to ask, do I possess these in increasing measure? Am I more gentle today than I was five years ago, 10 years ago? Do I abound in love more today than I did five years ago, 10 years ago? Am I increasingly patient? Do I demonstrate self-control? Not through my own efforts, not because I'm increasingly afraid of what other people think of me or something along those lines, but do I see how God has uniquely developed these qualities in me? Do I see how the Holy Spirit has conform is conforming my nature to that of Jesus Christ I would encourage you to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to draw a timeline out and ask, do I exude these qualities more today than I did five years ago, 10 years ago? And if you've been saved long enough, 20 years ago, what does that look like? Strive, strive for spiritual health. Strive to grow deeper, to grow deeper in your knowledge and love for Jesus Christ. And if there's a way that I can come alongside you or the other leaders in our church, if you're a member of our church, if you attend another church, I'm sure your pastor would be delighted for you to go to them to, and, and say, you know, I really want to grow spiritually. Here's where I'm at. This is exactly how I assess where I'm at. Where do I go from here? These are the spiritual gifts that I have, that I know that God has given me. Where can I apply them in this local church? That's a great perspective to have. No church is perfect. As we live in this fallen world until the Lord calls us home and we get to be uh, the, the church triumphant in the presence of the Lord until that day, while we remain on this planet, we're never going to walk into a perfect church. And so as we assess churches, we do so from a gracious perspective, from a humble perspective, but also from an eager perspective. 
We get to be a part of the body building itself up in love. We get to be contributing members. If we see a deficiency, a weakness, God can use us to promote the strength and the well-being of the church. And I really believe, as I said in the beginning, spiritual health matters because uh, in a local church because spiritually mature churches produce spiritually mature believers who in turn produce more spiritually mature believers. We need more of those today than ever before. Across denominational lines, across cultural lines, we're excited to see God do that and continue to do that around the world. What an opportunity we have to be a part of God's divine plan. I look forward each week to sharing my perspective with you. If there's a ministry question you would have, if there would be a contemporary trend or headline, that you would like me to address, please do reach out to me. I would love to address those topics. May the Lord bless you.